and welcome to episode 43 of The Jared White Show, recorded November 19th, 2019. I'm your host, Jared White, and I invite you to join me in a curated celebration of the art form that is the web. So much has been going on the last week or two, so much stuff, and I'm going to try to get through it all here. We have lots of news from Apple, including Apple TV+. Plus. We have the release of Disney Plus uh, and so much more. So, uh, yeah, let's just jump right into it. And the first article will be all about the Titanium PowerBook G4. No, 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 no. <laughs> that comes later. Trust me, it's it's all going to make sense soon. <laughs> really, what everyone is here for, I'm sure, is my thoughts on the big, big news from Apple last week. Ah, we can all breathe a huge sigh of relief as Mac fans because our long Apple laptop keyboard nightmare is over. The MacBook Pro 16-inch laptop is here and it does not have the butterfly keyboard that everyone loathes. That's right, folks. The butterfly keyboard is gone, 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 baby, gone. And instead, we have the Magic Keyboard. Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) Apple did what everyone has been saying they should have done for years now, which is to take their very popular desktop keyboard, the Magic Keyboard, and just put that keyboard in their laptop. Like, (laughs) is that too much to ask? They have a good keyboard that everyone likes. So the fact that they've inflicted this terrible keyboard on everyone for years on their laptop lineup is just uh, total bonkers. But uh, thankfully, they have finally they have finally seen the light. And uh, yeah, this this new MacBook Pro 16 inch uh, it's it's a slightly larger display. The bezels are thinner. Uh, the the case of the machine is slightly bigger than the previous 15 inch laptop it replaces. Um, but for for the most part, it's just it's just the same the same laptop that uh, has been in that slot of uh, of Apple's overall laptop lineup for a while, and um, so that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool that that they were able to get a really good decent keyboard in a case that is hardly any different in size. Uh, which again begs the question: Why couldn't they have done that originally? Ah. Um, but yes, they have done it. Uh, they've, they've also done a lot in the internals as well. There's a whole new thermal design so that they can get more airflow throughout the case inside so that they can uh, drive the processors a little bit hotter, a little bit more uh, consistently as, uh, as there are heavy workloads in the system. And the battery life is actually, uh, ha- has actually increased now, which is pretty substantial. Um, there, there, there are some links in the show notes that I, I want to comment on specifically. Uh, one of them is uh, an interview that the folks over at the Upgrade podcast did. Uh, Jason Snell interviewed Shruti Aldea, and she's the uh, product manager for the MacBook Pro line. Uh, and uh, they talked about how, um, you know, particularly when you're working on a mobile device, as as a laptop is, you know, it's a it's a it's a big, powerful computer, but it's it's a computer that has to be in this, you know, this mobile case, and so there are, there are a lot of different considerations 
and uh, pretty much verbatim, one of the things she said, which I thought was was a great way to look at it, is you know you have these different considerations. You have you have battery life, you have thinness, performance, weight, and so on. And these are all levers, and you can choose a set of them. And it's really all about choosing the right set. Uh, so she's, she said Apple worked very hard on defining the right performance targets as a starting point. And they worked with the pro workflow team at Apple, uh, making sure that, uh, that pros are able to do what they need to do uh, on this new machine. I thought this was very illuminating because all the way back in April 2018, uh, Apple did a big, big round of uh, press interviews and, and reveals and so forth uh, about this pro workflow team. And uh, it's, it's, it's more than just a group of people at work at Apple that, you know, reach out to professionals and get insight. It, it's actually real life professionals that get hired by Apple to come work at Apple to do what they've already been doing out in the quote unquote real world. Uh, and and do those things inside of Apple and basically give Apple, you know, direct access to all the different kind of workflows, whether that's video production, uh, music, uh, developing, you know, large applications, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, so you know, this, this whole team at Apple basically, you know, pushes all of Apple's pro computers to their limits uh, in both the hardware and the software dimensions. And, and then engineers can, can literally sit down next to them and, you know, make changes on the fly and tweak things and try to figure out how to eke out better performance. Um, and I, I, think, I think it's safe to say that this new 16-inch MacBook Pro is the first laptop that we've seen that is really taking advantage of what uh, this new workflow team is able to accomplish at Apple. You know, before that, it felt like it felt like the laptops were really driven by sort of a past era. Uh, you know, for better or for worse, Johnny Ives' desire to have products that are you know very simple and very sleek and elegant. That went into that 2016 you know revision of the MacBook Pros, where uh, you know they were they were much thinner. Uh, they just had the USB C ports. Uh, the touch bar, the new keyboard, the, the butterfly keyboard at that time, of course, uh, all those all those changes came in there. Uh, and, you know, they were changes that made sense at the time based on what Apple had been doing up to that point, just in terms of, of Apple's design philosophy. Uh, but clearly, <laughs> that philosophy was not in alignment with what uh, a large segment of, of pro- workers that use MacBook Pros as, as, as their main drivers, uh, you know, it just, it was not lining up. There was just a lot of grumbling from the very beginning about a whole host of issues, not just the butterfly keyboard. That was, that was one of a number of issues. Uh, so now it seems like uh, we have uh, a MacBook Pro design that has been pretty heavily influenced by the Pro Workflow team. And I think in any ways that it seems, you know, the same as the previous generation and hasn't changed much, like, for example, only having USB-C ports, I think it's quite possible that uh, future revisions will, uh, will, will take on even more feedback from the Pro Workflow team. You know, if, if, uh, 
if if the port situation needs to change, if it needs to get a, a little bit thicker still in order to get even more thermal performance down the road, um, you know, if they continue to tweak the touch bar design or the keyboard or whatever, um, you know, I, I think I think from this point forward, uh, certainly for for the pro line of notebooks, uh, you're going to see future changes will really reflect this new uh, synergistic partnership that Apple has internally between uh, pro workers and engineers. And I think that's pretty awesome. It's it's certainly a, a testament to the fact that Apple seems to have really turned the ship around when it comes to the Mac. Uh, the Mac platform as a whole, um, you know, certainly with all the work they've done lately on, on iMac Pro and, and the Mac Pro, which is about to come out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's eye bleed expensive, but... <laughs> It's pretty awesome. Uh, so that's going to be coming out really soon as well. Uh, yeah, it just it seems like the ship's turning around on the Mac, uh, and that's that's really great. I've been saying for quite a while, I've I've made this clear on the podcast in the past that I believe Apple needs to to iPad Proify the the MacBook Pro. In other words, you know, sh- show that all the incredible engineering prowess. That goes into making a device that is so incredible, so magical, like the iPad Pro. You know, I want to see that same level of effort in in their Mac lineup of mobile devices, and I think we're starting to see that. Uh, one of the links in the show notes is about a teardown I fix it looked at this uh, new Magic Keyboard in the MacBook Pro, uh, and it's very similar to the desktop keyboard of uh, the Magic Keyboard, uh, so you can can look up that. Uh, uh, the, other, the other link about the keyboard in the MacBook Pro on The Verge, uh, there's a video that towards the end you can hear um, some typing comparisons between uh, different laptop generations uh, and this new laptop. Uh, the keyboard, you know, it, it, it has the same sound that you would expect from, you know, a Magic Keyboard with uh, scissor switches. Uh, much, much better sound to my ears. I did get a chance on Friday to go try out one in person just for a few minutes at the Apple Store. Uh, you know, a few minutes is by no means long enough to to make a a really detailed uh, evaluation, but uh, the, but the keyboard definitely felt you know night and day better <laughs> than the butterfly keyboard. They they had a you know the 13 inch MacBook Pro, which still has the butterfly keyboard, right next to the new 16 inch. So I was kind of switching back and forth a little bit, and it's it's a big difference. I wouldn't say it's quite the same feel as the desktop Magic Keyboard, which I use every single day and love. Uh, it, it's not quite that. I don't know. It, it's hard to describe. It you know, it, it feels more like a laptop keyboard, I guess you could say, than a desktop keyboard. But it's close enough that that it suffices. And and based on all the you know all the reviews I've seen, all the feedback on Twitter from people that are really upset about the keyboard situation. Uh, they're all they're all pleased as punch. So this is great. Now, I I have a dilemma, folks. I have a real dilemma. I don't really need a new MacBook Pro personally. I use my iPad Pro every day as my primary mobile computing device, and uh, it's it's served me quite well uh, to the point where a lot of my quote unquote Pro workflows. Uh, really involve using an iPad Pro and iOS software specifically. Like right now I'm recording this in Ferrite. I certainly could use Logic on the Mac, but 
uh, at this point, I like using Ferrite. I like the fact that I can just grab my iPad and, you know, go to a, go to a coffee shop or whatever, put some headphones on and edit a podcast episode, use the Apple Pencil to, to set, uh, you know, points of different uh, edits and things. Uh, I've gotten pretty used to that, so, so I actually enjoy that. I've been using LumaFusion for video editing. Uh, last several episodes of my vlog, I've edited with LumaFusion, and I really like that app. That, that is a great video editor. And, and I'm using that coming from what I used previously, which is uh, DaVinci Resolve on the Mac, which is you know extremely pro-level software on the Mac. Uh, and I've used Final Cut Pro 10 before, and so you know, so I'm very familiar with with pro video editing on a Mac, uh, and I think LumaFusion on my iPad Pro is pretty dope. So, <laughs> so I kind of don't need to switch from all that to something on on a Mac if I got a MacBook Pro. So I'm really trying to figure out, you know, if if I just you know, give give way to to just base instinct here as a as a as an apple geek and and buy a macbook pro this new 16 inch uh, i don't know what i would do with it exactly you know i could install all the development tools and software that i use for building websites and and ruby code and all that um but i at this point i have all that set up in uh, a virtual private server in the cloud so i just ssh into that from my mac or my ipad pro um and and that's working pretty well. So again, like, why would I change what I'm already doing at this point? I don't know. Uh, so we'll we'll see how it goes in the months ahead. But at the moment, I'm I'm trying to convince myself that I do not need to buy <laughs> a new MacBook Pro. Uh, but we'll we'll see how long I can hold out. You know, I think part of this is nostalgia, too. Uh, like I said at the top of the episode, uh, I, I remain very um, fond of the Titanium PowerBook G4, and there's a link in the show notes to a, a good overview of that over at the 512 Pixels blog. Uh, the Titanium PowerBook G4, or the TieBook, as many people called it, uh, that came out in 2001, I believe, around the same time as the release of the first version of Mac OS X, and that's why I got it. I, I switched. I was a switcher. I, I came over from the world of Windows and BOS and Linux on PCs, uh, and, I, and I bought my first Mac, my first Apple product, the Titanium PowerBook G4, and immediately installed Mac OS X on it because uh, they were still shipping by default with Mac OS 9. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that first version of OS X, I, I ran on the, on the tie book. Uh, and that was, that was just such, such a leap forward in just the concept of, of what a computer could be and what you could do with it. In spite of the fact that the first versions of OS X were really sluggish and were missing a lot of critical features and there was hardly any software available yet for it. Uh, the, you know, there were there are some real growing pains in the the first couple years of OS X, but even in spite of that, it was just such such a dra- dramatic leap forward for me coming from the world of of uh, what was it uh, Windows Windows two thousand and uh, you know trying different Linux distros at the time and and I, I was a big fan of BOS and then that got uh, shut down and I was super depressed <laughs> about the loss of BOS and. So, uh, yeah, switching over to Mac OS X was a big deal. 
So I remain nostalgic for Apple's laptops, even though I don't really use one anymore. And uh, yeah, again, we'll, we'll see how long I can hold out here. <laughs> All right, enough about MacBook Pros. On to some other interesting news. Uh, the release of Disney Plus, children around the world, or at least in the United States. I'm not sure how many other countries... Disney Plus is available in yet. I think it's still rolling out in a lot of places, but uh, at least here where I live, uh, children everywhere are going bananas over <laughs> all their favorite Disney content being available. Uh, at least my kids are. Uh, they're so excited that, you know, we can just pull up the Disney Plus app and everything's there from Elena of Avalor to Doc McStuffins to, you know, Frozen and <laughs> Tangled and you know, all the stuff they're into. Uh, yes, my, my kids are very much into Disney princess stuff. Uh, but I'm also happy that I've managed to get them hooked on some other things I'm into. Like uh, we've actually watched through the first season of Stranger Things together. Uh, we're, we're going through The Flash. We're in uh, season, we're midway through season three of The Flash. In fact, uh, they just got to experience their first crossover. So we watched... Uh, the, the Flash episode, and then Arrow, and then Legends of Tomorrow, and, and that was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, not just, uh, it's not just fairy princesses, but, uh, you know, they're into that too. That's fine. <laughs> um, but there's some great Disney Plus content for the adults. I mean, there's really some, some good stuff on there. Um, I'm really enjoying The Mandalorian, of course, as a Star Wars fan. Uh, the first two episodes of The Mandalorian so far have been extraordinarily good. Uh, some people are saying that they consider this the best Star Wars material since Disney acquired Lucasfilm, like even better than the movies. Uh, I'm not sure I'm willing to go quite that far, but I am enjoying it very much. Um, I'm surprised by how much I'm into some of the National Geographic content that's on Disney+. Plus. I just watched the, the movie Free Solo, all about Alex Honnold and his free solo climb of El Capitan in Yosemite. And uh, while it was a very well-done documentary and incredibly inspiring, uh, I, I just want to warn you, like, <laughs> I was starting to feel sick to my stomach at times watching this because it's just so scary. You know, this guy is just like literally hanging off the side of a multi-thousand foot cliff. You know, just with like tiny little holds on his, on the tips of his fingers and his shoes are like holding on the, you know, half an inch of rock on the bottom. And it's just like, oh my God, what is happening? Uh, but yes, very inspiring. So um, if you're, if you're checking out Disney Plus, I highly recommend Free Solo. In addition to Disney Plus, we also have another service that's come out, Apple TV Plus. And I have not watched most of the content that Apple has put out so far, uh, but I have watched The Morning Show. I've watched every episode so far that has been released of The Morning Show. And uh, I, I have to say I'm, I'm, uh, I'm eating some crow here because uh, I posted on my blog somewhat recently that I wasn't super keen on the idea of Apple going into TV production, you know, making movies, making TV shows. I just felt like that's that's way beyond Apple's wheelhouse of being a device manufacturer and, and software developer. It's just it's just too far out there, you know, too, too much into the realm of 
of you know media and and the whole sort of consumption culture that we have. Uh, you know, I'm totally guilty of that. I, I watch a ton of TV because there's just so many good shows out there. But I, I kind of felt like Apple should you know stick to what they're good at. But uh, I'm eating some crow here because the morning show is fantastic. It is truly fantastic. I am loving it. I have loved every episode. It keeps being awesome. Uh, all of the acting in the show is, is top drawer. You know, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell, uh, many others. I can't remember the names, but just everyone on the cast is fantastic. Uh, the guy that plays the the slick new TV exec that wants to shake things up, uh, he is is actually really great. Like when I first saw him in, I guess the first episode, you know, I thought he was going to be sort of this, you know, caricature sort of, you know, figure you see in a lot of movies or TV shows along these lines, you know, the, the guy that's, you know, full of BS and wants to just kind of, you know, stomp all over everybody and try to run the show and do it in a sort of slimy, you know, passive aggressive way or whatever. Uh, instead, like, there are all kinds of dimensions to his character that are really fascinating. And I find myself kind of liking him, like, in, su in a sort of weird way, He's one of the most likable characters on the show. It's really weird. <laughs> I don't want to give anything else away. Uh, so no, no, more, uh, no more talk here for fear of spoilers. But uh, yeah, Morning Show just has knocked my socks off, and I did not expect that at all. All right, so with that out of the way, one more story here before we wrap things up. Um, uh, I haven't talked much about this, but I did see The Joker a few weeks back. Uh, and, um, you know, wow, like <laughs> the performance of that movie in the marketplace has been bonkers. <laughs> uh, you know, an R-rated movie uh, reaching over a billion dollars at the box office is just really bonkers. Um, but it's a testament to just how good the movie is. I mean, if if the kind of movie it is is not your thing, that's fine. I understand it. Normally, I wouldn't really be into this kind of movie either. Like, I don't really like, you know really dark kind of uh, character studies of, of criminals or bad actors. And, and I've never really been into the Joker character. Uh, I watched The Dark Knight back when that came out, and I actually didn't like that at all, even though everyone was raving about Heath Ledger's performance in that. Um, it's just that, that overall sort of uh, milieu is not my thing. But uh, The Joker, wow, I, I really liked that movie. And the, and the way they portrayed uh, his character, the way it evolved in the movie, I, I don't, I don't want to get into spoilers here, but just the way the character evolved, and you know, even with the terrible things he ends up doing, uh, you, you feel like you kind, of, you kind of get what's going on. You, you, you understand the, the depths of, of human despair and depravity and you know the the desire to 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 find some kind of purpose some kind of meaning in life you know the dealing with mental illness i mean there's just so much to unpack there it's such a good movie uh, and one of the interesting things about the movie beyond just you know the actual craft and and art of the movie uh, is the marketing campaign surrounding it uh, and i f i feel like warner brothers did an excellent job like compared to some of the really bad marketing for for you know other other projects along these lines like you know, Justice League for instance, uh, the the marketing for the Joker was 
truly awesome. I mean, I remember that first poster. I actually have it saved to my computer here, and I want to try to figure out how to print it out because it's so great. The, the poster for the Joker that they released uh, where you just kind of see, like, it's it's like this weird pose where you see his chin and, like, you know, kind of looking up his nose and he's, like, throwing his, his arms back. And it's like this it's very, this very strange angle and, and his paint's kind of mussed up. And you're like, wait, is that paint or is that blood? And there's this very gritty Joker font, very vertically tall Gothic font. Um, just really great. And it turns out that Joker type was done with with real wood letterpress. So they they didn't just, you know, pick a font in a computer and and apply a texture in Photoshop and call it a day. Like they they made actual wood type and used letterpress to 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 make this, you know, this very gritty kind of organic pattern scratchy pattern for that Joker font and uh and and put that into the poster. Uh, so there's a link from The Verge about how that was done. I was really fascinated by that. You know, <laughs> yes, I'm I'm a I'm a type geek. I'm a design geek. That's that's part of my job. And so this was this is really an interesting look. Uh, and you know, it it just shows that if you put in some effort to try to do things a little bit differently, kind of think about how to how to approach a project in a way that's not entirely expected, uh, you can you can really make some magic. All right, I think we've come to the end of the show. A uh, lot, lot of stuff going on with the, with the new MacBook Pros, with uh, all these new TV shows on Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus. Uh, so, uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a lot of fun <laughs> going into the holidays, watching all this stuff and uh, trying to resist buying a new laptop. Uh, but uh, let me know, let me know what you think about Apple's new gear. Uh, if you are interested in buying buying that and uh, what you think about that, uh, let me know what your favorite shows are on Disney Plus or Apple TV Plus. I, I love hearing what other people are into and 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 their thoughts on all that. Um, you can just go to jaredwhite.com and click uh, send a message there. And uh, if I get some cool feedback, I'll be happy to read it out on the podcast. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Tune in not every week. But as often as I can, uh, go to jaredwhite.com slash podcast to, uh, to keep up to date there and listen to past episodes. And I also have a Patreon, so please go there and, uh, and support the show. I really appreciate it. So thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. Jerry Rachel.